Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Of the Philosophy of Everything. Today, we will be talking about game theory, what it is, and how it affects your life. I hope you guys enjoy the show. So, what is game theory? Well, game theory is a branch of mathematics that deals with games, but not games that you think of, not Risk, not Monopoly, not Chess, though those things certainly can be applied to game theory, and game theory is often used for those sorts of extremely strategic games. But game theory has to deal with the process of decision making. So an example is the prisoner's dilemma, one of the most famous game theory problems, which we'll get into in just a moment. But real quick, we're going to go back and look at the idea of its creation. So it was created by a man named John von Neumann, and he actually invented game theory to help him play poker better. Although, not that his interest was in making more money during poker, but it was more in seeing if a mathematical branch could be created for the process of decision-making, to predict what his opponents would do. And then later on, a guy named John Nash, another very famous mathematician, and together they wrote on the theory of games and strategy, the textbook, literally and figuratively, of game theory. It is, to this day, one of the most used most taught books on game theory. It is still considered to be the best. So the two of them created this branch of mathematics, something that they used to predict what people would do in certain situations. But there are certain caveats to it and certain behaviors that are expected what we call rational behavior is expected to accurately predict. You can't just, well, I think that this person will do this because of this and that. You have to make a couple of assumptions. You have to assume that this person is going to behave rationally in the context of the game, something that is not always done in real life, which is why it doesn't always work perfectly. Now, in game theory, there are a couple of different ideas. There are finite games, and then there are infinite games. And a finite game is something that's ending, and then we have infinite, which is essentially just infinite, which means it is not finite. It is never-ending, hence the name infinite. So now, in infinite games, there are no rules, and the purpose of the game is to perpetuate the game in a very simple version. And in finite games, you can think of football, baseball, basketball, anything like that. Something that does end, something that has set rules and agreed upon code of conduct, per se. And any violation of those is a violation of the rules, and a penalty is awarded, and all of these things. So, now, I'm going to further describe what a game is. So, a game is not simply an actual game that we understand, like football, baseball, or poker. A game is any interaction between two or more people. 
So the famous example, like I said, is the Prisoner's Dilemma is not a game by any modern standards that we have for a game. It is a social interaction between two or more people. The famous game goes like this. We have two prisoners. For the sake of clarity, we will call them Mark and Bob. Mark and Bob have been arrested for something rather minor, but they have a more serious conviction hanging over their heads should they confess. So, they're in separate rooms. They're being interrogated by separate police officers. There is no strong particular familial bond between them. They're not cousins. They're not brothers. They're not second cousins twice removed. They're, they're simply doing business together. If neither of them confesses, they will both go to prison for two years for the more minor charge. If Mark talks on Bob and turns him in and says, yes, we did it, Bob is going to go to prison for 20 years, but Mark will not go to prison. He'll be set free, and vice versa. If they both confess on each other, then they'll both go to prison for 10 years. So to recap, if Bob confesses, Mark goes to prison for 20 years. If neither confess, they're both going to prison for two years. If both confess, they're both going to prison for 10 years. So what do you do? Well, Bob has no reason to believe that Mark is not going to confess on him, and Mark has no reason to believe that Bob is not going to confess on him. In a game like this, or in every game, each player wants to find their dominant strategy. And in both cases, for both Mark and Bob, the dominant strategy is to confess. Because if they don't, then there is the possibility that they will serve 20 years while their other partner goes free. But if they confess, and their partner doesn't, well then there's the chance that they get to go free, and... If they both confess on each other, they're only serving 10 years instead of 20. So it is kind of a covering all of your bases strategy. So it, it provides the best possible outcome for each. Another famous example is a very simple game that everyone has played at some point in their life. It's the game of chicken. You have two people driving a car at each other, or bikes if you're young, or doesn't really matter. But... They're driving head-on towards each other, and the way we would assign strategies to the same form that we did with the prisoners is, say, they were at a fight at school, and they have to both prove their manliness or whatever, and so they're driving at each other, and if they swerve, well, everyone will find out that Bob swerved while Mark didn't. Mark will be more dominant. He gets plus two ego points, and so on. There's many, many examples of game theory. I'm going to give one more example of a game before we move on. This is the push the button game. It is a very simple game, but kind of complicated. You get $100 and a red button. If you press the button, everyone else but you loses $2. However, any losses that you suffer are cut in half. So what do you do? So to further compound that, so you get $100 and a red button. Boom. If you push the button, 
everyone else that's playing loses two dollars. So say there's ten people, and they're all given a hundred dollars and the button. If you press the button, all of those nine other people will lose two dollars. If you don't push the button, and all of those nine players push the button, then you're out eighteen dollars. And if you push the button, then your losses are cut in half. So you go from minus $18 to minus $9. But all of those other people would also lose $2. If you play it in another way with 100 people, then the stakes are much greater and, and you can theoretically even go into debt with this game. So that is another very classic example of the game. What do you do? And there's a lot of different possible strategies for that. The best strategy, if you're considered a rational player, air quotations, is to push the button because it negates as much risk as possible, which is the most ideal way to play is with the least amount of risk possible. So let's give another example, but one that everyone might have seen before as a really good illustration of game theory. If you've seen The Dark Knight, second movie, in the Batman trilogy by Christopher Nolan, you will likely notice after this that a lot of game theory is incorporated into that movie. In, in fact, the majority of the movie is actually game theory problems one after another that the Joker is doing. But the climax of the movie, the Joker, the villain, if you guys don't know Batman at all, uh, is a, a rather crazy individual, although if you finish the movie, you kind of debate whether or not he's crazy at all or if he's extremely cunning. Regardless, we could do a breakdown of The Dark Knight on a different episode. At the climax of the movie, the Joker has got two buses, or two big barges. One of them full of prisoners. The other of them full of citizens. And he set each ship into the ocean, and each ship is loaded with explosives, and each bus has the detonator for the opposite bus. The problem being, if neither of them blow each other up, then both die, and the Joker will explode them both. If the prisoners blow up the citizens, the prisoners live. If the citizens blow up the prisoners, the citizens live. So, what is the answer? Well, of course, Batman saves the day and neither of them explode, but the game is there. That is essentially the prisoner's dilemma. And it's a great example of how game theory works because on each of the buses there was a bunch of fighting and some people said, well, yeah, we got to do it. We got to blow them up because they're prisoners. They had their chance. Some of the prisoners were like, well, I deserve a second chance. Why do I have to die because of my crimes? And others were like, well, we should just let them blow us up because we are criminals and we deserve this, this is what we get. And so there's all this discussion and debate amongst them on who should win. Unfortunately, the game theory would have predicted that both would have ended up dying anyways because both of them would have played their dominant strategy and pushed the button to destroy the other ship and they both would have died, which is what the Joker had intended, if you ask me. But, again... Discussion for another time. So let's progress on from finite games 
to infinite games. So another classic example of an infinite game is, like I said before, finances, economy, stock market, businesses, all of these things that are all interactions between one or more people, and there's no set start date, no set end date. No one will ever win at business. Another thing is no one will ever truly win at war. So you can't say, I have achieved and become the greatest warrior, because always there will be another player. And that is something that Simon Sinek has to say about the Cold War, and the fact that America made a very grievous error in saying that they have won the Cold War, because now we're just in another Cold War with China, and Japan, and still sort of Russia. So one of the things that you could kind of contribute that to instead of really war is foreign policy. You can't really win at foreign policy, which in some cases is rather hostile. I'm going to liken this back to something that I can explain in a pretty good detail. And if any of you are curious about this and where I learned this, um, you can always watch a lot of YouTube videos. I'll put links in the description. But also read a book called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Uh, I'm not getting sponsored by that at all. It's just a very informative book. It is very easy to read. It was very short. It was endlessly fascinating, at least for me. So like I said, infinite games have no rules. They have no starts and no ends. I am a Christian. And as a Christian, I have what is called a just cause. And a just cause, via infinite game or game theory logic, is a cause that is greater than any one individual, any group of individuals, and ultimately cannot be achieved. So I would say my just cause is to be salt and light to the world, to bring about the good news of Jesus Christ, and save as many people as possible, hopefully the whole world. Of course, the Bible has said that not all will be saved, so we have a just cause. My then goal is to perpetuate the game, or in this case, the just cause. There is no start date, and there is no end date to that. It was before me, and it will be after me. And it will continue when I am gone if I have done my job correctly, if I have contributed to the just cause. So then, everything that I do is in contribution to that just cause, because that is my goal, it is my passions to perpetuate that game, ultimately wishing to save all of the souls that I can. And so that is an infinite game, and many Christians aren't playing it that way, which is an issue that we're seeing in many different aspects of life. In the Christian church, people are not playing infinite games, they're playing finite games. And we have these preachers saying, just save one soul, save two souls, save ten souls, do this, do that, to win Christianity. But Christianity is not a finite game, it's an infinite game. And then we have people in businesses who are trying to win the quarter, win the year, win half the year, so on and so forth, instead of playing an infinite game. They're playing an infinite game, but they're playing it with a finite mindset, which has been a huge issue in a lot of businesses, uh, why businesses are collapsing in the expected life of businesses, the length in which they will last on the market, 
is being slowly and slowly reduced down by many, many years, even some by decades. So, I'm going to give one final example of an infinite game before I make some concluding remarks and end this episode. The perfect example of game theory in general and infinite games, because that's what we're talking about in this portion, is what has been currently going on with the world. Currently, we have people pushing policies, pushing health policies, vaccine mandates, and this is not a pro or anti-vaccine at all. That's not what this is about. I'm completely neutral on the topic. But it's just bad decision-making, the way that people and politicians have gone about this. The one most crucial example is just last night for me, that was Friday, we went to a play, and there was no signs on the door that said, Matt, please wear a mask, nothing like that. We even went down and sat in the building for about 30 minutes before we were asked, and I might say rather rudely, to put on masks which was fine with me. I put my mask on. But then they began to say, well, I'm, I'm vaccinated. And like, well, it's regardless of vaccination status. But by making all of those policies, and you can see signs in other buildings that say, please wear a mask, regardless of vaccination status. This is a crucial mistake because they have removed the payoff for the action. The, the payoff and the reward of getting this vaccination as well. A lot of people are getting vaccinated so they don't have to wear the mask. People are playing health and health policy with a finite mindset, even though it should be an infinite, it not should be, it is an infinite game. The game is health, making better lives, healthier lives, prolonging life. That is an infinite goal because this is not ultimately achievable which is one of the criteria. It is bigger than any one person, the health of the community, the health of our nation. And they're putting quotas on it. They're putting, well, we need to get 200 million people vaccinated. That's way a high number. I mean, there's only 350 million people in the United States, I think, right around there. So, but we need to get X amount of people vaccinated by X amount of time. That's just playing it finitely minded. It's bad policy. But then on top of that, they're removing the benefits, the payoffs, a crucial part of making your decision in the game by saying, well, it doesn't even matter if you get vaccinated or not, you still have to do this and you still have to do that, and all of these restrictions will still stand, even though they're also at the same time saying that, well, you can't spread it when you get the vaccine and you can't do this and you can't do that, and of course now they're backpedaling, but that is a totally different discussion. What they're ultimately doing is they are removing the benefits. They're saying, well, it doesn't matter, and they're not playing the right kind of game. They're not making the right kinds of decisions based on the context of their situations. So, to conclude this episode with some just final remarks, game theory is an extremely important mathematical branch. But more than that, it is an insight into the way that people make decisions. And if you can understand the mathematics and the process of decision-making, you can look into people's lives with more illumination. You can understand the decisions that they make 
why they make the decisions and possibly how they will make their decisions in the future. You can do the same thing for yourself and evaluate the decisions you are making or going to make. And it is for that reason that this is something that is important to know. So that concludes this episode. I hope everyone enjoyed that one. Um, if you did, let me know. If you don't, let me know. Um, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at jcoots03. That's jcoots03. And let me know what you thought of it, guys. I hope you have a nice day. And once again, thank you for joining of the philosophy of everything.